Open your Bibles with me to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, continuing from this morning, come boldly for someone else, come boldly for someone else. We know the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Well, we need that Savior, don't we? We need that access to the Lord. And so uh, let's go to the Lord and ask Him to help us tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we study Your Word tonight. Lord, we live in a fallen world. We're surrounded by evil. We're surrounded by sickness, and pain, death, suffering. And Lord, You have told us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, Father, help us to know how to do that scripturally, Lord. Help us to know how to do it within the framework, within the, the governorship of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, one of the things that we have to be careful of in our prayer lives is to pray according to our own will. Amen. We look around and we see things going on in the lives of others around us, and it touches our hearts, and that's good. That's right. But the solution to the world's problems is not human wisdom. I don't have the wisdom to fix someone. The wisdom has to come from the Word of God. And God knows exactly what that person needs, but I believe that God will move heaven and earth at the prayer of a saint. I genuinely believe that. So let's review a little bit from this morning. Intercession, according to Webster, is the act of interceding, mediation, interposition between parties at variance with a view to reconciliation. All right, that interposition, interposing. When I, when I stepped between Gary and Nathan or Nathaniel this morning, uh, I, I put my position in between them so that there could be peace. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. And when we pray for someone else, what we're doing is we are being like our Lord. We are following His example in praying for each other. We looked this morning at the amazing possibilities of intercessory prayer. Daniel received so much more than he asked for. So much more than he asked for. He prayed for restoration. God told him when the Messiah would come. He prayed for the end of 70 years. God gave him the plan for 70 weeks of years. And the answer that he gave is in the middle of right where we are right now. We are in the middle of the answer. And we see the answer coming into fruition all around us as we are here this evening. So the amazing possibilities of intercessory prayer. You know, when you begin to pray, when you begin to pray for someone else, you can't imagine what God wants to do in that person's life. We are too limited to understand. I know that you teachers, when you look out at your students, and sometimes they're not doing well, and you get so frustrated for them because you know they can do so much better. You parents, when you look at your children, and sometimes you get frustrated at their behavior because you know they could do so much better. We look at our children and we see endless possibilities. I look at this church and I see the unbelievable possibility of what God could do in Sydney, Ohio, and the surrounding areas but I can't even come close to imagining what God can do. So when we pray, there's no way to know. There's no way to know what God is going to do with the request that we make before Him. 
He wants to do amazing things for us, amazing possibilities. Then we look at the absolute prerequisites to intercessory prayer, humility, confession, and reverence. Humility, confession, and reverence. When we come before the Lord, we need to understand that we don't have the right to be there. We don't have the right to be there. Um, Then, let's look at the apparent priorities of intercessory prayer. This morning, we looked at the Word of God. And when we look at uh, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books, what books? Jeremiah and Lamentations. The number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, first of all, I thought, I thought the book of Jeremiah was taken by Jehudi and cut up with a penknife and thrown in the fire. So what was Daniel reading? Apparently, God had preserved his word in spite of the penknife and the fire. Well, wait a minute. I thought according to Jeremiah 51 that the word of God was thrown, that, that, the, that the book of Jeremiah was thrown into the Euphrates River. So what was he reading here? God can preserve his word in spite of the river. God can, in, God can preserve his word in spite of the fire. We have God's word. This apparently was a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy And Daniel trusted it as the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. Amen? So when you pick up that King James Bible and you begin reading, and you have a friend or a family member, a loved one who's sick or in trouble, and you open up the Word to find a solution for them, you have to believe that you are holding the inspired, inerrant Word of God in your language. You have it. You can trust it. And so the foundation for intercessory prayer must be the Word of God. We don't even know how to pray. We don't even know what a person needs. We don't know the solution to their problem until we go to God's Word. God has the answer to every situation in His Word. Then secondly, the will of God. The will of God. When Daniel is reading this book and he begins praying... He knows that God has said He is going to restore the nation of Israel after 70 years. So he's praying according to God's will. He begins praying. He doesn't just sit back in his easy chair and get popcorn and wait for it to happen. I'm going to watch this. This is going to be great. No. He said, God, thy will be done. Oh, God, please move. Help us to see this. Do what you said. So our prayer for someone else needs to be according to the Word of God, according to the will of God. And then, with great intensity, look at verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Great intensity. And I mentioned to you this morning that this is an area where I'm asking the Lord to help me. I want to pray for you and for the other needs as intensely as I pray for my own needs. Uh, This is the the heart that needs to be a part of Grace Baptist Church. And I'm going to be talking about that again in a minute. But look at the intensity. So it's the, the priorities of intercessory prayer are the Word of God, the will of God, intensity, passion, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then selflessness. Selflessness. If you look in verse 5, we have sinned and have committed iniquity. Daniel is one of the most righteous people in the Bible. And yet he says, we have sinned. 
This is selflessness. Sackcloth, ashes, denying himself food for someone else for the deliverance of the nation. Selflessness. We mentioned Moses this morning, how God wanted to take Moses and make a great nation of him and just leave the children of Israel behind because of their great sin. And Daniel said no. Or, or Moses said no. It would be better if you blot my name out. It would be better if you blot my name out of the book of life. And God went on to make a great nation. Selflessness. Selflessness. Sometimes it's hard to take yourself out of the equation, isn't it? Especially when you're praying for family members. When you're praying for family members, it's so, Lord, do you know what they did to me? Yeah, he does. Do you know what we did to him? We've got to pull ourselves, take yourselves out. And so we have the Word of God and the will of God and intensity and selflessness. And now, let's get into the message for tonight. The next one is this. It's belonging. It's belonging. You say, Pastor Jim, what, is that? what are you talking about? All of us are a part of the body of Christ. If you're saved, you're a part of the body of Christ. And if you're a member of Grace Baptist Church, you are a part of this body. And the Bible says when one member hurts, all the members hurt. When one member suffers, all the members suffer. Intercessory prayer is understanding that we are not alone in this world. And that when you're praying for someone else, you're not praying alone. You're praying as a part of the body of Christ. I want to demonstrate that principle to you from this prayer of Daniel. Daniel, wanted, want, Daniel personally wanted to see the restoration of Israel. Do you all believe that? Yes. But look at the way he prays. Look at the way he prays. Verse 5. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly. Look at verse 6. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, to which, uh, the servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of faces, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Verse 10, Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even thy depart, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. And it is written in the law of Moses, All this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and hast gotten thee renown at this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. 
You see, when we begin praying for people, and let's make the circumstance now in our illustration, a loved one, a friend who is living in sin, that has sin in their life. How are you going to pray for them? How are you going to pray for them? Is it going to be, oh, help Bob, he is so sinful. Or, we have sinned, Lord. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. When we look at Grace Baptist Church, and of course this is dealing with the nation of Israel, I don't want there to be any confusion about that. Daniel is praying for the deliverance of Israel out of Babylon, back to the land. Amen? But when we pray for Grace Baptist Church, when we say, Lord God, please do something here, and the Lord begins to convict your heart about your faithfulness, about your witnessing, about your care for your brothers and sisters in Christ, I wonder if you would go before the Lord and say, Lord, we have sinned. We have sinned. Let me ask you this. How have you been praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you been praying according to the, according to the Word of God, according to the will of God? Have you been praying intensely and selflessly? And are you plugged in? Are you saying, Lord, help our church. Help this work. Help our country. Help our family. Lord, it's us. We are all in great need before you. You see, intercessory prayer becomes so much more powerful, so much more potent when we understand that none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived. There's so much more that God wants to accomplish in our lives. Amen? So much more. So much more. Belonging. Belonging. I like it. It's we, not I. Uh, do you think Daniel could have prayed, I want to be delivered. I want to go home. I don't want to be in this country anymore. I want to see your face. I want to see your deliverance. He could have. But true humility is saying, God, we need you. We need you. My brothers and sisters in Christ, they need you so desperately. You know, I'm having a hard time today. I, and this is if I were praying. Lord, I'm having a hard time today. And as blessed a life as you've given me, if I'm having it hard today, how hard must my brothers and sisters in Christ be having it? You see what happens? When we understand who we are and that we genuinely belong to something, then we understand intercessory prayer, belonging. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I remember when Jacob was little, I told him, I said, did you know that your foot is connected to your mouth? And he said, I can't remember what he said, but he wanted me to prove it. And so I stamped on his foot and his mouth opened. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. That's awesome. I love that. How many of you guys are going to do that to somebody? No. Yeah. Right. Amen. A Josh Ferrier raises his hand. Man, with those clod hoppers, you can hurt somebody. Be gentle. Now listen, when in our church the foot hurts, all of us are supposed to hurt. Amen? And, and you know, you guys have such great hearts. This is not hitting you over the head for not loving one another because you are a very loving church. Um, but like the Apostle Paul said, I have not yet apprehended. We've, we've not arrived yet, have we? We need to be bearing one another's burdens so much more. Now, I think one of the reasons we don't bear one another's burdens is because we don't share one another's burdens. 
this has happened to me so often. Somebody says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? They're going through something. And I hadn't heard it because they didn't tell me. And I, I know of some needs in this room right now, and I'll bet you don't know about them. We need to share these burdens. We need to share these needs. Why? Because we belong. We belong to something. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to Grace Baptist Church. How about praying for our nation? What was just prayed in the book of Daniel, could that be prayed about the United States of America? We are not righteous. Our, our leaders have rejected the prophets. Our leaders have rejected the Word of God. Now, th- th- this is really important. Had Daniel rejected the Word of God? Had Daniel trespassed against his word? No. What did he say? We have trespassed. We have sinned. We have not done righteously. Listen, we can't escape. We cannot escape being Americans. When we look at what's being done in the name of the United States of America around the world, um, Andrew Stensis was telling us in our Sunday school class last week that, that um, homosexuality is against the law in Uganda. And it's in the courts right now. And they're debating whether or not to legalize homosexuality. And the reason that they're being tempted to do it is because the United States has told them they'll cut off their aid if they don't legalize homosexuality. We have sinned. We have sinned. Are any Americans here? How many of you are Americans? That's what's on the sign. There's billboards up promoting homosexuality and put up by the United States of America, paid for by the United States of America, all over Uganda. You see, we have to understand that we belong. We belong. We belong to this church. We belong to the nation. We belong to this community. And it's our responsibility to pray for it, to pray for it as a part of it. So not only the Word of God, not only the will of God, not only pray with intensity and selflessness and belonging, but I'm going to repeat one. Confession. Confession. Look at verse 4 again. I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments, we have sinned. So here's what we do. In intercessory prayer, when I go before God, I must go understanding foundationally I don't deserve to be there. Amen? Would you all agree with that? We do not deserve to be before the throne of God. And so we begin with confession. When we begin with confession, when I'm praying for someone that I'm having a difficulty with or that's having a hard time in life and I am very um, disappointed with their behavior, I'm very disappointed with the choices that they make. Do you know what confession does? It helps me to realize, but for the grace of God, there go I. And then, remembering, we're part of the whole. If you've ever said, I wish that our church would. I wish our church was. I wish our church did. That's got to begin with, I wish I. You see, now we're taking it back. When I'm praying for you, When I'm praying for you, I need to remove my... For your aid, I need to remove myself from it. When I'm praying for your sin, I need to include myself in it. 
because none of us have any right to go before God. We have to be careful not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Amen? Amen. We've got to think of ourselves the way that Scripture presents us. Confession. I can't pray for you biblically until I recognize who I am. We're all sinners. Then, then, next, when I pray, we've talked about the Word of God and the will of God and the intensity of our prayer and the selflessness of it. We've talked about the, the, the idea of belonging and we repeated confession. And then, this is, those, these last two, these last two are probably my favorites. The first one, the first of the last, <laughs> is this. When I pray for someone else, the answer depends on God's character. See, I have to recognize who God is. I have to recognize who God is. Look at verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God. The great and dreadful God. Now, I've got to tell you something. I'm so glad there's not a period there. I'm so glad the verse doesn't end right there. Because based on that, if that was the end, that's the God of Islam. That's the God of the Philistines. That's the, that's the judgmental, harsh, angry, cruel God of this world. That's not the God to whom we pray. But let me say this. When you're praying for a, a, a believer that is away from the Lord, we need to remember that He is a dreadful God. When you're praying for a lost person that is violating God's precepts and shaking their fist in His face, we need to understand that He is the great and dreadful God. Amen? We, they need to understand that. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. Amen? But praise God, the verse doesn't end there. Look at what it says. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant of mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. Look at verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto Thee. Look at verse 9. To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against Him. So, a couple of thoughts. When you're praying for your friend, when you're praying for your loved one, the thing that you've got to remember is this. God can only do right. Righteousness belongs to God. It's His. It's His. God can only do right. That's all He can do. That's it. Amen? So, now, here's the thing. Sometimes when we're praying for the will of God for someone, and you know what the will of God is going to mean for that person. You've got a couple that's living together. They need to stop living together. Well, wait a minute. We're paying for the house with both of our incomes. Sorry. I know that's hard, but it's not God's will that you do that. Amen? It's a hard choice, but it's the right choice. It's God's will. God is right, and everything that He does is right. And then look at verse 9 again. Does it say forgiveness? What does it say? Forgiveness is. Aren't you glad that's plural? 
How many of you have needed God's forgiveness more than once? <laughs> that is awesome. His mercies are new every day. And when I'm praying for someone else, I need to remember that his forgivenesses are there for them too. Isn't that wonderful? Don't give up on them. God hasn't given up on them. Don't you give up on them. As long as they have another breath in them, keep praying. Keep praying. Because your answer is based on the character of God. Now, if the answer is based on the character of God, then I need to be careful what I ask for. How can I ask God to do something that would violate His character? Lord God, save them, even though they don't believe in you. Is that possible? No. That's not possible. That's why we need to make sure that we're praying according to the will of God, and the answer is based on God's character. Aren't you glad that God is love? He is literally the personification of love. He's the personification of mercy. He's the personification of grace. That's the God that you're praying to. Amazing. You, you, you want to know something's even better than that? You know the God that Daniel was praying to? The God that Daniel believed in? It's the same God. <laughs> the same God that we're the God the, the God that stopped the mouths of the lion. The the God that was with them with the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. The God that wrote with His finger on the wall. The God that interpreted the dreams for Daniel. That's the same God that you're praying to for your friend. Praise God. Praise God. He's real and He's true. Then, lastly, lastly, and this is one of the hardest things, and it's so true, but it's so hard to remember sometimes. Intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. Must result in God receiving glory. It must result in God receiving glory. God being glorified. So when you pray for something, when you're asking God for something for someone, is that going to bring God glory? Is that result, the thing that you're asking for, is it going to show well on the Lord? Is it going to become Him? Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Does it glorify God? Does it glorify God for the wicked to prosper? Does that bring glory to God? No. No. And so this is a lesson that's very hard for us to learn. Many of us, especially in our children's lives or in, in our, our relatives' lives, what we tend to do is we try to soften the chastening of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, if a child messes up, they need to pay the price for that. Amen? Um, you know, uh, we've all heard the stories of the, the dad whose teenage boy gets arrested. And 12 o'clock at night, the police station calls. and Mr. Alter, can you come down to the police station? You need to get your, bail your son out. You need to pick up your son. And how many of you have heard of dad saying, 
you know what? I think it might help him to stay for a little while. How many of you have heard of people doing that? What's that dad trying to do? He's trying to allow his son to feel the weight of his error, to feel the weight of his error. You see, when, as a believer, when a believer sins, what is the father going to do? He's going to forgive. Would you all agree with that? But he's also going to chasten. Is that right? The Bible says the father chastens every son whom he loveth. Every one of them. The chastening of God. And if we keep, if our children keep making bad decisions and we keep bailing them out, they make a bad decision and we keep bailing them out. Bad decision, we bail them out. Bad decision, we bail them out. And they never genuinely experience the repercussions of their behavior. How does that bring glory to God? How does it bring glory to God? So for my children and for these other young people, for adults in our church who make bad decisions, sometimes we just can't bail them out. We'll walk through it with them. We'll be there with them. But we can't bail them out. Pastor, are you saying if my son gets in trouble, I'm not supposed to get him out of jail? No, that's not what I'm saying. It's not because Jacob's probably headed there. <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, let's be careful about making our children's lives too easy. Um, young married couples. How many of you, when you first got married, you bought that furniture on credit or you bought the washer and dryer on credit? And it was only 21%. Did anybody here experience that? Seriously, did anybody here experience that? I hope your parents didn't bail you out. Because you never learn. You never learn. I want to ask you how many young couples just did that. <laughs> Look, that's just an illustration of life, isn't it? It's an illustration of life. You know, one, the, in discipleship and other things, I use this illustration... Um, when our son Riley was in the hospital and, and we went through all of that, we got done and there was a $40,000 hospital bill that, that we owed, $40,000. And so I called the hospital to make arrangements um, for the payment. And she, she, I said, well, I guess I need to pay this. She said, how much can you pay? I said, we could pay $25 a month. <laughs> she said, well, I'm sorry, that won't do. I said, well, that's all that we've got. And she said, well, I'll have to talk to the administration about it. Just before I went back to Bible college, we had bought a brand new Toyota Camry. Brand new. But I was selling siding, so in the first year, I think I had 50,000 miles on it. So I'm in college, trying to go to college, paying for two cars, paying for rent, doing all these things. About two weeks later, I called the hospital. I didn't want our credit to be destroyed, so I said, I'm calling to check on my bill. And she looked at our balance and she said, you don't have a balance. The hospital has paid for it. God took care of that. Isn't that amazing? Guess who had to pay for the car? You see, God is so gracious that when He brings learning 
events, when He brings things into my life that are for my good, well, if it's beyond my ability to care for it, He will care for it. Amen? When I make a really bad choice, God's going to let me care for that. Why? Because that brings Him glory. That brings Him glory. Here's the thing. If that had happened to me, if I had gone to jail and they called my father, he might have been the kind of dad that would have let me spend the night. Um, But I still would have been his son. You see, when we're praying for others, when we're praying for others, we have to understand that God's glory is the ultimate thing. I live, I was created to bring glory to the Father. Would you all agree with that? You were created, you exist in this world to bring glory to God. How is God going to receive glory in the prayer that you're praying for that person? Do you know that if you are praying a prayer where God will receive the highest glory, that is the kind of prayer that God is going to answer? Lord God, show yourself mighty in their life. Make yourself real to them. Help them through this time to know that you're there. Help them through this time to know that you're real, that you're powerful. Lord, do something so that they know that only you could accomplish this. You see, that's the prayer that brings God glory. But here's the way that we pray. Lord, help them find a job. Well, people find jobs all the time. Lord, help them find a job that only you could give them. Lord, help them find a job that will allow them to be faithful in church and allow their children to be under the preaching and teaching of God's Word. You see how that's a different prayer? You see how that's different? So, we begin and end with God. We begin with God's Word and we end with God's glory. And in between, we learn how to intercede for each other. So, I hope that you will. I hope that you'll come boldly to the throne of grace for someone else. The purpose of all prayer should be for God to be glorified. Proper intercession reconciles people to God. In my illustration this morning, I was reconciling these two guys. I was saying, you did this, you did this. When we reconcile people to God, it's only, you're great, you're wrong. Amen? See, my prayer of reconciliation cannot be for God to change toward that person. The prayer must be that that person change in their attitude toward God. That's what brings God glory. That's what brings God glory. We can't bring God down to our level. We need to raise the person being interceded for to His. And as we pray... We need to realize that He is the one who is right. He's the one who can heal. He's the one who can hear. And He's the one who deserves our praise. It begins with God's Word and it ends with God's glory. And in between, we learn how to intercede for someone else.